podcast. I am Becca from Insightful Connections. And I am Michelle from Michelle R. Price, the Lightworker. Welcome to the podcast, Beck. It's been um, a little while since we connected, so it's nice to actually see you and see you shuffling your cards over there. Uh, Becca yeah. and I are a couple of spiritual aware chicks, and uh, we have a few interesting things to share. And we'll be sharing a few of those uh, today during this episode. Yeah. So as always, we like to, to, you know, maybe share some of our knowledge so that maybe you can pick up something new, um, give some guidance with a card draw, and um, occasionally we throw in a couple of affirmations or two. Yes, we'll do. And um, <laughs> Beck's got some beautiful affirmation decks over there. I'm just throwing away my cards at the moment. Oh, yeah. That's handy. Uh, I do that often during Facebook Lives. I'm like, crazy, crazy, crazy. Yes, Um, there they go. There they go. Um, The theme for today, Beck, is to intervene or not. And this is actually based on a story that you told us during one of our previous episodes. And while you were telling this story, I thought, oh, that's interesting. Um, Do we, do we, you know, make an episode out of that? And I figured, why not? So we have. And uh, that's what this week's uh, topic is all about, this fortnight. So to intervene or not, it's pretty clear, I think, from what the the words are, the title. Um, so I probably don't have to go into too much about that, uh, but we will get more into that very, very soon. Uh, Beck, what's been going on with you? Um, it's been a little while, as I said. So what's been uh, happening? It has been a little while. We've had, um, well, actually, we've got school holidays yeah. going on at the moment. So that's been uh, quite, quite a time consumer sort of gobbles up all the time with the kids and (laughs) just doing stuff um so school holidays uh, I have been uh, a little bit unwell with my endometriosis but that's sort of back on track now still it's not sort of something that you can just sort of switch on and off but um certainly moving around a lot better we were just talking about healings and and making the time to do self-healing through ourselves (laughs) actually based on that yeah, well, that's, yeah, probably it, it'd be a good thing. It's a good reminder for us as well, because often we forget about ourselves in that process and just sort of start neglecting our um, our own personal things, which, you know, our own personal needs and our own healings and, and things as such. So it's um, it's quite a, quite a good thing to, you know, remember a bit of self-love and self-healing and kindness instead of just sort of racing around being there for, for the rest of the world all the time. Mm, good point. Just um, actually, it's funny because I've just pulled out two cards or two, two of them fell out here. The first one I've got here is from the Guardian Angel Messages from Radley Valentine. And um, the card here is the Ten of Fire, and you can see that's the it's like an orange card, Michelle. Yeah, I'll take photos and put them up on the show notes. But this is again overworked, stressed, and imbalanced. So, and you can see there's a lot going on in the background, a lot of everyday life yeah. um, things, and the lady's just sort of leaning over the counter, going, "Oh my gosh, I've had enough." But then next next to her is um, a coin, which is actually shining out. There is like a copper coin shining out there, and um, just again just a reminder to to keep that balance up um the other thing too which I have noticed a lot lately Michelle but um so this is probably something that's just sort of been in my 
my energy um, for a little bit is being open-hearted and a bit more sensitive to emotions and other people's emotions. And you can see this card here. Oh, yeah, the water element. The water element, the page of water, and she's holding the cup and it's got a fish looking at her in the cup. She's standing in the ocean. Um, so that is also another just sort of reminder um, to to take that time to ground yourself and cleanse as well, being out in the ocean um, and taking on those those different um, and, and not taking everything so personally um, and, and being sensitive. So being just a bit, a bit more open hearted to other people and their circumstances because it's, you know, everybody's in the same boat. Everybody is needing that at the moment somebody to be just a little bit more sensitive towards them and that one person can make a big difference in that person's life yeah yeah just a little bit of understanding out there yeah I agree um you never know what's going on behind the scenes and I think in terms of like workplaces and things like that some workplaces are sensitive to those sorts of things you know stress leave and all of that sort of stuff and uh, others not so much and I think that's um incredibly important and I think it also um, ties in well with today's session, um, our, you know, today's topic, I should say, yeah. um, you know, being sensitive and open hearted and, and sort of balancing, keeping emotions, you know, yeah. being more sensitive of other people around you. Absolutely. Especially when it comes to things that we see that happen and whether we intervene or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Good segue. Mm -hmm. <laughs> What about you, Michelle? Um, what's been going on? Well, I'll just speak to the self-healing part of this with what mm. you were just talking about because um, it's interesting. I just did Reiki Ishadi, um, another level of my master's on the weekend. and um, But the previous one that we did, so as Becca knows because she's done Ishadi, we have usually 21 days minimum in between each level. Um, but you can have eight, uh, but minimum 21 so we tend to um, have ours 21 days apart and uh, the previous level that I did, uh, one of the other ladies there who showed up, she's actually going into the, um, she's into the Ascension level. So it's a little bit higher than where we're at, but she wanted to join in and uh, sort of do a refresher. So she came in and sat with us and that was really interesting. And she said after her previous attunements, um, and I agreed with her, I felt exactly the same, is that we hadn't been doing the self-healing as much. And both of us have been like struggling a lot. Um, we'd both been, um, yeah, just, you know, feeling under the weather and lethargic and we're getting triggered a lot, like feeling very triggered. And, um, and yeah, we both, you know, admitted that we hadn't been doing the self-healing and um, our teacher was like, well, you know, this is a time you actually really need to be doing it. Like these are the times you really need to be pulling out your self-healing and, and doing that and um it was a good reminder for both of us because we kind of came out of that session and i've just done the next level now so that was 21 days ago and i did pretty much i think every day i definitely did self-healing every day but sometimes twice a day and um i was going for maybe an hour and a half two hours sometimes you know self-healing so um and the way that it works and we'll talk a little bit about this because i've actually marked it as an episode but the way it works is it's very intuitive and sometimes I'll do it first thing in the morning. So sometimes I will drift off and go to sleep and then wake up and then I'll move my hands. And then I feel like I go to sleep, wake up, move my hands. Mm -hmm. And always saying when we move the hands, we're going from each chakra. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting process. And I've actually found 
that when I went into this particular session, it was a very emotional session um, because we're getting into alcemia three. So that won't mean anything to the listener at home, but it's um, an energy healing where you don't actually have to use your hands. It basically comes from your body, but um, it's clearing a lot of the physical emotions and patterns and things like that. So it was very, very triggering and very challenging uh, being in that class for both of us. There was only two of us this time because the other ladies were away and um, doing various other things. So it was only the two of us this time. And um, it was really interesting because both of us really mirrored each other. Like we both had issues with the right side of our bodies. Um, I'm doing Kakoda, she's not. We both had issues with the right side of our bodies. We both, um, she was getting a lot of sciatica. Um, She had lower back pain like me. Um, there was so much affecting her right sort of side um, and leg and everything, uh, same as me. And when she was talking, I was thinking, geez, that's the same. I feel the same. And it was really, uh, really amazing. Like when you show up with a particular person, it just seems to be very, very relevant. And so, um, you know, it was nice to have a smaller group and we were able to kind of share, you know, what was being triggered and what was going on and talking about, you know, how do we sort of process and remove and move it on and, and all of that stuff. So, um, yeah, it was really good and really emotional, as I said to you, but it's an opportunity for me to come out now into the big wide world and put that to the test. And their advice was to call in the energies. Like when you feel like you're being triggered rather than just running away, which is what I sometimes do, fight or flight, um, is to stay in it in that moment with that person and actually call the energy in and sit in it. And so I did, and I've been doing that and I've definitely felt a difference. I haven't felt as triggered. And I think that's the only way I know that's the only way for me to actually be able to move through it. So it's been a really interesting um, process. So when we actually do that next episode, Beck, I'll probably uh, be a little bit further along the line and be able to talk Mm. a bit more about that. Yeah. And it's good too, because I mean, it's a very powerful thing in its own right, but I think, um, the benefit that you got just having the two of you there um yeah more time to to um integrate with that and and more focus on the two of you which means yeah definitely I can see why so much there was so much um release there for you both um so and you know it's not a coincidence. Everything happens for a reason. So maybe that's oh, yeah. when, exactly when what you needed at that like, time that no one else was there. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, I knew that because I felt like those things we talked about wouldn't have probably come out with the other ladies there. It just would have been too many people to share, you know, at that level. So I definitely felt that. And, um, you know, it's been interesting too because it's on my right and my left hand is my dominant hand. It's been really hard to heal. And even Susanna, the other lady, she said the same thing. She goes, how are you meant to heal your lower back? And because generally, you know, self-healing, we're lying down. We could sit up, I guess. But, you know, lying down, you're sort of lying on top of your hands. It's like it's actually really on my right hip as well. So to get around to your right hip, it's actually really uncomfortable. And so that's been really challenging. The fact that where it is in my body is kind of hard to reach. So, you know, I'm just doing as much healing as I can on myself, you know, I guess in the lead up to this Kokoda challenge, we're doing 48 Ks this coming weekend. Um, So in six days time. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I was feeling so great as I was saying to Beck earlier and then um, yeah, not so great more recently with a couple of um, Cairo sessions I've had, it's sort of put me back a little bit again. So hopefully I can rectify that tomorrow and um, yeah, feel back 
back in the game again, Rebecca. But um, yeah, that's about it from me. We might get into the show, hey? Yeah, absolutely. I, look, I just wanted to, to quickly throw out there then, Sinzo, um, it's been a while since we've put an affirmation up. Oh, yeah, go. Um, I've got one here, actually, and I, I just want to, I just really feel like I need to share it now with you because I feel yeah. like this will will be something that will, will help you too. And it is something I come across on the socials. Um, I have been doing it in the, for the last um, few days and yeah. really finding quite a difference full stop just full yeah. stop quite a difference yeah. so I mean we still do get the wobbles and things like that but um it really is making a difference to the point where I found I was saying it in my head throughout the day as well like yesterday and the day before it was it was just sort of like it would just sort of come to me it was like okay let's just do this so and the affirmation it actually is that I saw and I, I can't remember where I, I've written it down but I don't know who to credit for this okay. um, is that every day in every way I am getting better and better I love that yeah because yeah. work in progress hey absolutely absolutely and I mean the advice was to say it 20 times when you wake up and 20 times before you go to sleep love it. Um, so yeah so again it was just every day in every way I'm getting better and better and I just really resonated that with that I think um with the <laughs> new moon and <laughs> Taurus and everything else going on at the moment um it's just it was just nice and it was it's not one of those affirmations where you sort of sit there and you go yeah right whatever um yeah. it's, it's one of those ones that you can actually sit there and and tune into but you don't have to be in the right frame of mind to to receive it yeah and I actually really like it because there is one that I use a fair bit which is um I'm perfect as I am. Nothing about me needs to be fixed or changed. And I like that one. However, when I do say it to some people, a lot of people who are very, very, you know, have a very low self-esteem and very, you know, low yeah. in of themselves have a lot of trouble saying it. And I think with the one that you just mentioned, it is more about, um, you know, sort of I am a work in progress. Like that's kind of what it sounds like. You know, it's like yeah. I'm not perfect, but you know, I'm kind of working on it and working through it and stuff like that. And I think it's also just releasing the, you know, the pinching ourselves off from it, that yeah. it's just, it's a case of, you know, everything's getting better and better. Yeah. You don't have to go into details. It's just very sort of general and and um, makes the world of difference. Yeah, that's it. All right. Well, good point. Uh, all right. So we might get into the show. Um, so this episode, Rebecca, actually came out um, because of yourself and, um, and a conversation we were having. And so I'll let you go into a bit more detail about your side of things. But certainly from my side of things, um, I had said to you that I've been witnessing a lot of mums, um, and I'll say mums because I haven't seen dads doing it, so I'll say mums because that's been my experience. Um, mums yelling at kids in public. And I'd noticed it around like the coffee shops, you know, during sort of school drop-off and things like that. And um, in particular, there was a couple of um, incidents. I mean, I've witnessed, you know, many over the years, but a couple of incidents where, um, you know, his mother was, you know, screaming blue murder at her little boy and he was only small. I mean, there were two boys and um, this was the younger of the two and about his um, backpack and all this stuff and, you know, carry your backpack and carry your bag and whatever. And I mean, this bag was, you know, half the size or three, you know, three quarters of the size of the child. 
And um, and he was just sort of saying, oh, you know, it's a bit heavy or whatever, and, and she just lost it. And it was very uncomfortable because I was standing in the queue, like right next to them, and I'm sitting there like shielding, bubbling, putting walls <laughs> up. I'm like, oh, my God. Um, I really didn't want that energy. And, you know, for me, it's quite triggering because, you know, my mom used to do that a lot, you know, when I went out in public and went to shops and, you know, public humiliation was, was something that I grew up with. Um, and so I was always walking on eggshells and that's probably why I'm in that, you know, fight or flight for most of my life, uh, where I sort of run away. And, um, you know, so seeing that happen to another little person, um, is very personal for me and very triggering. And it's taken me a long time to get to the point where, I guess I'm not as triggered as what I used to be. I used to be really like, I just need to get in the car and go, you know, kind of feeling. But now I can kind of stand there and tolerate it. Like I could stand there, but I really, really, really want to take it <laughs> And, you know, and then I sort of think in my head, well, you know, obviously she's got a lot going on. Obviously she's frustrated beyond you know, and she's like a pressure cooker, you know, she's obviously just bubbling under the surface. So any little mum, my backpack's heavy is going to set her off. And that's what we're just talking about. We're just talking about the triggering. So really mum, you know, probably needs to take some time out and go, uh, okay, so why am I just so easily triggered? Why is it all just under the surface? And really have a look at herself. And that's just one example, but I have many examples of pretty much the same thing. Yeah, it's um it is interesting and I felt the same way in the shops and I don't know if this sort of um view on it will help you cuz um it is heartbreaking when you when you're out and about and you see children you know being yelled at or abused or something's going on and you just think oh my gosh I just want to take you home with me yeah. um but then having been that I'm I'm also a mum and I've also had to deal with my children in the shops as well at some point so mm. you know I kind of I kind of get both sides of it what I sort of look at now and this is probably a lot from the Abraham Hicks teachings um is that the children are a lot more sort of tuned in, um, you know, in, in, in accordance with the Abraham Hicks teachings, that the children are a lot more tuned in emotionally um, to what, what their needs and their desires are and, and what have you and everything that they're putting out there. So when something, you know, when we get that wobble, something happens that we don't necessarily agree with to us or to them, um, a lot of the time they you know, it kind of, you see the little bit of disappointment on the children, but you can also see it, them bounce back. Yeah. Um, not not all the time, but a lot of the time you see them, they do bounce back and, and you can see that they've just sort of, um, they've put it out there that that wasn't a good feeling for them and they want something better. Yeah. Um, and, and it is really hard. It is extremely hard not to, um, not to intervene. But then on the other hand, I have been in situations where I have had, you know, one of my children absolutely being horrendous in the shops, okay, obviously reaching out because they weren't happy about being there, they were overstimulated, all these sorts of things, you know, whatever it may be, maybe in the wrong time of day, could have been that they were hungry or that they had some stuff going on. Um, 
butt at the shops and completely like yelling at me, grabbed hold of their hand and they're like, that hurts, making a big deal like I had, you know, sort of ripped their hand mm-hmm. off and, and over-dramatising everything and then you feel flustered because people are looking at you because you, you know, this child screamed out, you're hurting me and you weren't hurting them and all these sorts of things. It's embarrassing. Um, it is, well, it is embarrassing, but then it's, you know, again, in the, that's, that's the ego sort of coming in and it's when you feel embarrassed and it's a natural thing, but when you feel embarrassed, it is you setting off little rockets of desire out there. Like I don't like this feeling, the way it's feeling inside and, and setting it out there for it to get better. Um, obviously, you do need to, to have some action around these things. You can't just expect it to, to happen. You do need to take some sort of action. Um, and, you know, I had this, one of my children actually took off, took oh. off into, yeah, took off completely into the car park, couldn't find them, trying to get groceries done, had all the kids there, all of these sorts of things. So I ended up just ringing. So I was just like, you know what? If we try and chase this child, they're going to take off even further because they're getting that reaction, that response. Yeah, so I just went, okay, fine, let them go. I actually rang the store security and said, look, this is the situation. This is what has occurred. Um, the child's extremely upset. The child won't come back. The child has taken off. Wow. Um, into the car park there, I was wondering if maybe one of, if the security guards are available at the moment, they could just ensure that he's, because if I follow, um, it's going to make it more difficult. I was just wondering if one of the security guards could follow the child, make sure that they are okay, and maybe have a little word to them about listening to mum. Mm. And that's exactly what happened. Mm. Exactly what happened. And I think the um, the security guard was actually Lebanese or something like that. It was quite a while ago. Um, and they don't disrespect their parents. Ah, yeah. Similar to Indian not, culture as well, the Indians. Not, the- yeah, that's right. Not like a lot of the children, you know, the different cultures, different backgrounds, different upbringings. Yeah, um, so it was quite a a um, a stern talking to, but respecting boundaries, uh, a st- stern talking to that you need to listen to mum. Mm. You know, and it, and it was, that was my best option at that time. Mm. Like, you know, personally, my best option was to call someone to help me deal with it instead of obviously it wasn't getting anywhere it was just escalating and escalating and escalating I'm getting more frustrated they're getting more frustrated people around us are getting more frustrated Mm. and then you get the people who come in with their little sneakers and their little comments on the outside Mm. Mm. (laughs) so it's really it is it is and that's where you know our card comes into you know being sensitive and open-hearted and you know trusting your intuition obviously if someone's in a situation like that and you can see that there is physical danger or physical safety um you know maybe you might want to get someone in to come and help um otherwise you know it's 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 hard to say but Sometimes you getting involved, involved and intervening can can cause more more trouble for the child or yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, in that, Beck, you actually haven't said your bunning story yet. <laughs> no, I didn't because we went off on a tangent, didn't we? But the bunning yeah, story. So 
Do you want to fill us in or do you want to say that next or? Yeah, well, okay, so with, with the Bunnings one, um, I believe it was going back a little while ago and I believe I was walking through the garden centre there um, and there was this lady and this small little child and the child had said, you know, sort of, Grandma, what are we doing? Why, why are we getting flowers? What are we doing with the flowers? You know, kids ask a million questions and, and um, this is what was happening. And I remember hearing her say, um, we're getting some flowers for your mum's garden to get rid of those. And I think it was to the effect of those awful yellow ones she's got. Mm, yeah. And, you know, as I said, it was, it was a while ago that I had heard this, but I remember sort of chuckling to myself because the child was like, but what if mum likes them? Mm. But what if mum likes them? Yeah. You know, and it was sort of obviously pointing out that, their mum's flowers mum likes them just because you don't like them um but yeah it was and it was also really what also made me chuckle was and Michelle you could probably um you know and, and a lot of our listeners now would be able to understand this is that yellow is a chakra color for the solar plexus it represents our solar plexus <laughs> it's yeah. a fiery yellow it's like the sun, it's the warmth, it's, you know, it's believed to be related to our personal power and self-esteem. So the fact that this, so it's sort of, um, when the chakra is balanced, it, you know, our motivation, our confidence, um, our purpose, all these different things, um, but our, our inner power and our inner self-esteem and the fact that she specifically did not like the yellow flowers mm, um, something made, made me aware that there was something going on with her solar plexus region. So I, I had a chuckle because, for one, the child was just like, yeah, but mm. mum likes them. Mm-hmm. And and just sort of, it was just it's this most innocent little answer and, response but what if mum likes them which made me chuckle but then there was obviously the the knowledge that we have with our healings and and a lot of our listeners have with um you know with the chakras and and doing their own research and things like that it was just really interesting that it was yellow mm, in particular yeah. yeah yeah no that's um that's the whole reason we did this episode and I thought when Beck told me that story I was like wow you know because we do have that sort of, you know, pull to say something. And I remember at the time you were saying, you know, I was really quite annoyed and I really, you know, thought about like, and I think you did, you actually did. You went up and said something to them. I can't remember what you said, um, but I recall you walking past them and saying something um, at the end of that. You walked past and were like, oh, I like the yellow ones. I think you said something to encourage the kid. Um, I think the yellow ones are nice or something like that. So and that's, you know, that's not the end of the world. Like that's not, you know, we weren't rude or we didn't. Yeah, um, no, I, yeah, yeah. I, I think I. Along those lines. Yeah, um, just to encourage them a little bit. Yeah, it was just, it wasn't, it wasn't nasty and it was just a little bit of encouragement for yeah. the for the little one. Yeah. Um, and, of course, Grandma wasn't really listening because she was just caught in her own little flurry yeah. there. Yeah. But that's okay. But I um, had an incident recently um, where I was walking. We've got a school and gym and all of that, like walking distance from our house. And I was at the um, lights and I some kids were I passed on their bikes and there was a kid like um, I think they were walking or something. And 
Um, so we're all at the lights, you know, waiting for the lights to change. And they were saying really, some really horrendous things to this kid, you know, that was on their own. Um, and they were obviously a group. And, um, yeah, they were, like, teasing and name-calling and all of this stuff. And I was standing there and I'm just thinking, oh, my God, um, like, do I intervene? You know, do I say something? And I was really torn. I wasn't sure what I should do. I thought if I intervene and like stick up for the kid, are they going to pick on them more? Like, are they going to be like, oh, you know, you need some girl to like stick up for you, blah, blah, blah. And I really wasn't sure what should happen there. Um, do I talk to the school? You know, do I report the kids? I mean, you know, kids look all the same to me. So I'd be like, I don't even know how to identify them. Um, but yeah, I didn't do anything. I didn't say anything. And it took everything in me not to, because I got picked on at school. So I really had to sort of bite my tongue. Um, and I actually felt really bad not saying something, but I just kind of wondered at the same time, what would the repercussions be? Yeah. And, you know, there's plenty of videos. And, look, I don't watch them. I mean, I was a journalist for, you know, two decades and there's lots of videos that we've seen and been sent and all of that. And I have had people send me videos and I haven't, as soon as I've realised what it is, I shut it down. I haven't looked at it. I just avoid that stuff like the plague um, because I think it's, you know, terrible. It encourages, you know, stuff like this. It desensitises children too. Like if they've got videos circulating of, you know, other kids getting, you know, bashed and stuff like that, um, it desensitizes, you know, the people who are watching that stuff. So in my opinion, so I've never watched any of that, but, um, you know, we did get sent videos like that in, um, in the newsroom. And so I guess that's an opportunity for me more so to be able to do something if we can track down who the people are, what school it is, you know, stuff like that. Um, I guess that is something that you can actually, um, you know, get involved with and, and do something about. Um, but at that moment when I was sitting in those traffic lights back, I just, I just didn't say anything. I just, yeah, didn't want to uh, make it worse, I guess, for that kid. And it wasn't physical. I mean, if it was physical, hundred percent, like I was there doing something, it wasn't physical. It was words, but words are worse. You know, I think words are worse because they don't leave a mark, a physical mark. They, yeah, they are really, um, could really mess with people mm. big time um it's it's interesting last week of school I was there waiting for one of my children to come out of their class and um there were some kids that was it's kind of like one of those demountable buildings there was some kids sort of sitting there and one of them had something that I think it was the drink bottle or something that belonged to this this other child from their class and they were getting their bags ready to pack up for the end of the day etc and we're standing outside with other parents just sort of watching and you know they're getting a bit rough and physical with each other you know mucking around in a headlock and this sort of thing and one of them put was putting their stuff their personal things in the bin like the drink bottle was just sort of hanging it over the bin, like I'm going to drop it in there. And I was sort of looking and I was just, I wasn't going to say anything, but I managed to make eye contact. I met eye contact with this kid and I just, <laughs> I just stood there and I looked and just ever so gently, just like very, very um, subtly shook my head and my eyes were just like focused on this like dead stare shook my head like nah don't that's do it. not on don't do it 
don't do it. I am watching and I am standing here. And it was interesting because the second that I did that, I didn't have to say anything. I didn't shoot a dirty look. It was just like, well, I guess maybe one of those mummy looks like, nah. Mm. Um, and when I had done that, he looked at me and he stopped and then he went and handed the drink bottle back to the kid and was standing there. And then he went to go get him in the headlock again. And he looked straight at me and I was still watching and he just sort of put his arms down, turned around and walked back into the classroom. And I just thought, thank goodness, <laughs> because that was terrible. And this kid was struggling. Like it was so much smaller than this kid. And you could see it was, you know, don't want to say anything. Don't want to, I'm just sort of going to put up mm. with it. Mm. You know, that sort of thing. But it, it does it's really. kind of a series of parents. That seems very like brazen they are very brazen and you know there's even been times where parents have I've I've seen kids doing things in front of parents and and a parent or an adult has said something to them and they've just copped a mouthful of abuse from the child you know not necessarily at the school but out in public and things like that um and it's it's really I mean gosh Michelle if when we were growing up and we were out playing in the streets if we spoke to an adult like that (laughs) that adult would probably come along and give us a hiding for being disrespectful for one and that was the police the police would clip you over the ears and drag you home in those days yeah that's right or even a stranger would they would you know clip you over the back of the head and drag you home to your parents and say oi yeah when we were growing up too a lot of people used to live like around you know family and stuff like that yeah so we've all spread out a bit more. That's exactly right. Exactly right. Um, I was I was going to say too that, um, well, actually I'll let you go. Okay. Um, next, but um, just in regards to the movies, I struggle with a lot of movies because of that. Going out the and vi- the movie, movie no, movies? No, 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 the violence in movies. So a lot of oh, movies, gotcha. things like yeah. that movies where there's you know just boxing movies um growing up I liked the Rocky movies but I just I just cannot I just don't see the sense in it <laughs> I really struggle watching them Rocky the boxing yeah yeah that's yeah. a really good example um I'll talk about that um here because with Rocky the boxing um side of it I've been listening I'll put this into the show notes I've been listening to um uh Gary Jubelin, um, the trick, uh, what is it? Hunt for a killer. I just can't forget it. It's here. Uh, I catch killers. So Gary Jubelin was the um, detective on the William Tyrrell um, investigation. And then they fired him uh, and charged him basically for reporting something without um, suggesting it was being recorded, which is a complete crock. But um, anyway, he's fantastic. And he was... um, uh, chatting to people about um, the boxing side of things because he's actually a boxer. So he's a detective and he's a boxer as well. So he would actually take, um, you know, young people in, you know, who were sort of going off the rails and stuff like yeah. that. And the PCYC is all about boxing and YMCA. So they do that at YMCA and a PCYC. And um, so all the young um, police officers, a lot of them are actually into boxing because um, it's a good way to get out the like aggression and the stuff that they see and experience during the day uh, in their job. And um, Gary also is a big um, advocate for meditation. 
So the other cops used to like, you know, endlessly tease him about the whole meditation thing. Um, but yeah, the boxing, um, obviously no one's going to say boo about that, but, um, yeah, he had a combination of the boxing and the meditation. And sometimes he would like go to the boxing ring and then go, oh yeah, actually what I needed was the meditation. So, you know, it's, it's finding that balance because it's the yin yang. Um, but yeah, certainly for young juveniles and people sort of, um, falling off the rails, it was a story, I think on the project the other night where they had, um, yeah, it was a project. They had, um, kids, uh, in, you know, high risk areas where there was a lot of crime and stuff like that. I think it was Townsville actually. And, um, they took everyone up to the PCYC and they had all these programs for the kids. Um, and boxing was, was one of the main ones. And, um, you know, it is a really great way to sort of, um, yeah, get the aggression out and, um, you know, it exhausts you as well. Like you've got nothing left in the tank after all of that. So, um, yeah, it's really good. And Gary Jubilant, I'll put the um, link in the show notes. He's amazing. Um, just such a good detective and that should never have happened to him. Um, speaking of justice, because that's what he is about, I'm a justice seeker and that's why things like that really annoy me because I feel like if Gary Jubilant was still on the case, um, I reckon we would have had a, you know, a killer. I reckon we would have solved the William Tyrrell, you know, case. Uh, but they ripped him off there and then uh, nothing's really happened with it. So uh, I get really triggered by situations like that. But Gary um, dealt with it by basically becoming a journalist. Like now he basically does a podcast for a living. He gets paid for it. And, um, you know, what a great outcome for him. So, um, but one of the things I really struggle with, as I was saying, is I really have trouble not getting involved. So, you know, if I'm in a shopping center or, you know, I'm at Coles or whatever, and, you know, a customer's being really rude to a, you know, checkout person or, um, you know, someone's, you know, screaming at me, you know, blue murder out the window, road rage, something or other, um, that sort of stuff, you know, it still gets under my skin and I still have to remind myself, it's just pick your battles, you know, yeah. pick your battles. And I did have, um, and this is a shop I don't go to anymore because, um, in a spiritual sense, um, there's a client of mine, um, who has a child, a little boy, he's very sensitive. And he was telling me the other day about this particular like shop that he was going to with his mum. And um, he didn't like it. He didn't like going there. And he was saying that he was seeing very dark figures walking around and he could see like a dark figure near the cashier and all this sort of stuff. And, um, you know, and he wasn't overly scared of it, but the way he described it to me, I'm going, yeah, it doesn't sound great, you know, in my head. And um, I go, this wasn't like this particular, I knew the shop. I said, is this the one, like it's this, you know, Coles, Woolworths, whatever, I'm not going to name the brand. And it's in this suburb. And he goes, yeah. Yeah. And his mom goes, how'd you know? And I went, uh, I've had many incidents there, many incidents, because I feel like, you know, the energy in that land, I don't know what's gone on there, but it's got a really funny vibe. And when you go there, like I've literally been driving around the car park, back, like doing nothing, like minding my business, driving around the car park, really slow, looking for a car park. And one day this old man was walking down the middle of the car park. Like you literally couldn't get around him. He was walking down the middle of the road where the cars drive. And I'm kind of going, it's a bit weird. And I couldn't get around him. So I was driving along behind him, you know, just like literally, you know, crawling. And he turned around and like basically abused me for trying to run him over. And I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> what? And I didn't react. I didn't say anything because I thought this guy's a lunatic. He's walking yeah. where the cars drive. He's turned around and he was pretty old and he abuses me for like trying to run him over. I'm like, okay, mate. And then I think it was the same shopping trip. I've gone inside and a woman has literally shoulder charged me. Like I'm telling you, shoulder charged me, literally took my shoulder off and then turned around and abused me for running into her. And I'm going, this is really, it was like, <laughs> Twilight Zone. 
is was going like, on? Oh, like, uh, I was just like, this is crazy town. And so, of course, I didn't say anything to her either because I thought that's never going to go anywhere. She wants an argument. She wants a fight. So I didn't give her anything. I just went, meh, and kept walking. Uh, and then she shouted some abuse at me. So it, it, she didn't like that. <laughs> the fact that I walked off, she didn't like that either. Um, yeah, I've had so many incidents in that particular shop. So I literally, um, I don't go, I don't go there anywhere, um, anymore, unless I really am desperate. I just won't go there. And, um, it was just funny that this client of mine had had, um, you know, similar incidents and he'd said to his mum, I don't want to go to that shop anymore. And she kept taking him. And so after that conversation with me, she goes, I'm not going to take him there anymore. And I said, that's a good idea. Because I just think that certain places that spirit energy hangs around, you know, if there are a lot of people who are depressed on drugs, you know, whatever, that kind of energy comes in, those earthbounds come in because it's very strong emotions and whatever else. Um, obviously, that's what this kid's seeing. And then everyone's reacting and acting really strangely. So, yeah, I just pulled myself out of that situation. I just don't go there anymore because I just feel like, as I said to you, I think we've got to choose our battles sometimes, you know. Am yeah. I going to win that argument with the lady that shoulder charged me? No, you know. Do I want to see, you know, people walking around abusing their kids there? No. And that's one of the locations where it happens a lot. Um, everyone is just very angry in that place. Would I want to work there? Absolutely not. Um. It is quite interesting when you say that because there are places here in Canberra that are very much the same. Like I just walk in and walk out mm. and I'm only there if I have to, I would avoid it like the plague mm. if I can because because of that sort of that that same sort of energetic feeling where it's just heavy and all of a sudden you can go from being, you know, pulling into the car park, laughing in the car, pulling into the car park, and then all of a sudden you're feeling anxious and yeah. weary and you're just sort of, and it's just, it's like, like that. Yeah, it's just like, you know, here I am clicking my hands, if, if anyone, my fingers, if, if anyone was wondering what I was doing. That <laughs> I keep forgetting people can't see us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, yeah, no, that, that sort of, um, it really is. And it could be you know something as as simple as a lot of people are, are, are very sensitive to other people and they're taking on that energy which is why it's very good to make sure that we're pulling back our own energy mm. cleansing our energy that we leave in from places that we've been to and um you know people places spaces that sort of thing and it's yeah. it's also a good thing just to consider and maybe just pay your respects um to the earth spirits or the previous ancestors that had that land uh, because, you know, they could be an ally in that sort of situation as well. If you do pay your respects to them, acknowledge that, you know, while you were here using these, it's not of your doing. This is the way our society is now and this is what we're using. Uh, this, is, this is the way we live. Um, but just, you know, show a bit of respect and, um, just take those few minutes before you get out of the car or before you pull in or before you get there. So like set the intention before you get there that you, you know, pay your respects to the traditional landowners um, or caretakers and, and what have you and see maybe how that goes for you. Yeah, it's good advice, really good advice. The, um, I haven't mentioned it yet today, Rebecca, but... um. And if you have any questions with what Rebecca just talked about as well, um, please reach out. I will just mention this because that 
yeah. you know, is something that we do a bit, but it may not be super clear to uh, the listener at home. So if you do have any questions about what Beck was just talking about, um, you can email us, uh, livingenlightened33 at gmail.com. And um, just ask questions if you do have any additional questions about what we just spoke about, um, clearing and acknowledging. You can acknowledge the, um, you know, directions and all of that sort of stuff and the elements, uh, earth, wind, fire, water. Um, but, yeah, if you have any questions, just uh, send us an email or you can always meet, reach out to us, um, Living Enlightened, on Facebook as well. Um, I just put that link into the show notes too. Um, Rebecca, something that we haven't spoken about yet, and this is something I'm very passionate about, is animals. And I can't handle, personally, cruelty to animals. And there was a video I remember a while ago that had a really big impact on people, and it was filmed on the Gold Coast, and I think it was a staffy from memory. And there was a video of um, a couple, and this guy literally had the lead, and he was just kicking and belting and dragging this poor little dog around, and there was a video of it. And they put it on the news. And again, as I said, look, I have a lot of trouble watching these things. Um, but I did kind of, you know, glance at it and I was just like, oh, my Lord. And that had a mega impact. They tracked down the guy. They seized the dog. They actually got, you know, the dog. And thankfully, you know, I'm so grateful that someone did bother to film that because, I mean, you know, who knows how long that would have continued on for. I mean, obviously, you know, it's still going on in other households. But um, what a great result for that animal. I mean, our little cat, Joy, who kept uh, tiptoeing across my, she was playing with my keyboard before. So the listener at home is probably hearing all these donk, ding, donk, ding, donk, ding, because she kept like <laughs> pushing her feet onto the um, keys. Um, she was left in a garbage bag in a toilet block with her mum and her sister. So um, obviously the mother cat hadn't been dissexed. And this is, you know, this is the responsibility of a pet owner. If you don't want kittens and puppies, dissex your animal for crying out loud. Um, so obviously this cat, the mother cat, you know, had got, um, you know, cause she was domestic. She wasn't wild or anything like that. She was so beautiful, such a beautiful nature cat. Um, she was only like six or seven months old and she'd had kittens. And so these little cats were found in a garbage bag in a public toilet block in a not very nice part of Brisbane. And luckily a good person found them and surrendered them, you know, to the, um, res rescue sort of center that I went to and got them from. Um, but you know, how awful is that? What a terrible start in life. But I tell you what, that little cat, our little cat, Joy, she is so delightful and so, you know, loving and just love me. Like that's really her energy. And when I tell, you know, young children this, you know, when they come over and they go, oh, your cat and la la la. And I tell them sometimes, you know, she was left in a, in a toilet block. You guys need to know this. You need to look after animals because she was put in a garbage bag and left in a toilet block and little kids. I mean, they're just like, who would do that? You know, they can't even imagine it. They can't even fathom it, you know? Um, and I can't, <laughs> I can't. So, you know, this is a thing. If I've got, um, you know, any kind of like animal cruelty thing going on, I tell you what, um, I'll report it. I won't even hesitate. You know, that's where I do intervene um, because the animals can't speak. They haven't got a voice. And we've got a couple of dogs over the back that are very, um, they're Great Danes. They're in a tiny little yard, postage stamp. And whenever the owners go out, they just bark. They just bark consistently. And I have literally, I've looked at the time when it started and I've looked at the time when it's finished and it's gone to 11.30 at night sometimes back and it's literally nonstop. It's not just when people walk past, it is barking nonstop. And they're both great Danes, so they're very, very big. Um, yeah. so imagine the barkers, you know, carries. And in summer, we literally have to shut the doors and windows because you just can't, you can't even watch the TV because they're right out the back fence. So we even complained, we didn't complain, but someone did. 
in the neighborhood. And, um, you know, when they first moved in, they walked around and they said, hey, guys, just letting you know, you know, we moved in, we've got these great big dogs. Um, you know, they're pretty good when we're at home, but sometimes they bark when we go out. So they warned us, they gave us a heads up and we went, great, really appreciate it, you know? And they said, if they bother you, come and tell us, like come over and yeah. have a conversation. Um, and so we never have, I mean, they obviously bother us, but we didn't complain. You know, I wouldn't have gone to complain because she came to have a conversation. Yeah. I would have gone over and said something first. So, um, but someone else, you know, took it in their own hands and decided to complain and whatnot, but it wasn't us. Um, but you know, they don't get out for walks, you know, they're always in the backyard. Um, and I do think it's cruel. They're not physically being abused, but the poor things are bored, you know, and then their owners go out, they've got nothing to do. They've got no grass. They don't even have a grass. They never get to go anywhere. And they're just sitting on this back deck. Literally all it is, is wood. They just have wood. That's all they sit on. They never get their feet on grass, these poor animals. Um, so, you know, it is pretty, pretty mean, but it's not physical abuse or anything like that. Um, but yeah, when it comes to animals, um, I just feel like, you know, in that situation, we didn't intervene, but someone else did. But certainly if there's anything where I feel like, you know, I can see someone being physically cruel to an animal or anything like that, um, you know, I am going to say something, you know, um, I have reported people to the RSPCA, you know, I have, um, walking around the neighborhood and seeing certain things. Um, and, you know, I just wonder back because I mean, People do funny things in public and you just kind of think, wow, like if you're doing that in public, what are you doing behind closed doors? If you think that's okay to do in front of another person, what are you doing behind closed doors? It's really scary sometimes. It is really scary. And, you know, a lot of people, it's it's really perplexing. <laughs> it really is. I just, you know, it's it's... <sighs> When they do these things, the fact that they think that it is okay. Yeah. So they're not doing it to intimidate people around them or to, I mean, you know, authority over, over, you know, dominance over this animal or anything like that. Mm. Um, you know, well, it does come down to sort of dominance and, and frustration and ego, I think. But, you know, yeah. the fact that they think that it is okay to behave yeah. that way and... It's that's, that's where it's concerning. Absolutely. Yeah. And because Absolutely. you think that they potentially are parents as well and they're modelling that behaviour, and I have no doubt that that was modelled to them as well. Like I've got no doubt about that because it obviously comes from somewhere. And there were definitely, I mean, you know, growing up, I've told you this story before about the praying mantis. When I was walking home from school and these boys were torturing this praying mantis. And to me, they're divine creatures. I mean, I wouldn't even hurt an ant. You know, and they, this was quite a large praying mantis and they were literally torturing this thing and I lost it. And I was only young. I was only a kid. I was probably younger than they were. I told them off so severely. They all like ran off in tears. So we're just like, oh my God. And they just, <laughs> they left this thing alone. Thank heavens. And I rescued it and put it on a tree. But um, yeah, they were just so surprised. They couldn't believe my reaction. They're like, who cares? It's like a, it's like an insect. And I'm like, everything has a right to live. You don't need to be cruel to anything. And they just didn't get it. They were just like, I've got no idea what she's talking about. They thought I was an alien. I'm sure of it. <laughs> yeah, which is really strange. I don't know if it's a boy-girl thing. I don't know. Um, because I certainly didn't notice girls being as cruel to animals or insects. But I did notice a lot of boys doing cruel things. So I don't know. Maybe it's a male thing. I have no idea. Or a role model thing maybe but um i certainly just don't notice girls doing stuff like that i'm sure there are women that you know do but i just never noticed it was more so the boys and whether it's a peer thing whether it's like oh you know look what we can do and la 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 you know whether it's a peer group thing 
could be. Um, I was just going to make a point here, make a couple of recommendations. Back. Did you have any other points to make? Were you happy for me to? Yeah. Um, so what can we do about all of this, um, you know, in terms of what we've been talking about today? And one of the things, I guess, that, you know, I want to just make really clear is that, you know, in the situations or the examples that we've given today around, you know, mothers, you know, screaming at the kids in public or, you know, people doing things to animals or whatever it is, um, all those things that kind of trigger us, um, really we need to look at ourselves yep. and that's where we begin. So I always try to put up, you know, like a bubble, um, put a mirror on it, um, you know, a wall. I had a wall where that lady was shouting at a kid about the backpack. Um, I put up extra protection and I just used it as a tool, I guess, to help myself, you know, to go, okay, so how is that making me feel? What's the emotion connected to that? The other thing that we can do, and this is where if you learn self-healing and other, you know, healing techniques, at the level I've reached with Ashadi now, there's particular kinds of energy that I can actually put out and it's not using my hands. It's just literally coming out of my skin, out of my field, my energy field, and it's a healing energy. So I've started to do that where I've dropped into that energy and then I'm sending that out into the environment. So that's a way of, I guess, you know, affecting, helping, raising the vibration a little bit because obviously everyone's affected. Everyone's standing around like me going, wow, that's a lot. And so hopefully I'm sending out enough energy to kind of heal the people around me um, and hopefully sending some to that kid, you know, to strengthen him and uh, give him some resolve. So, you know, that's up to the listener at home, of course, to go out and, um, you know, do a bit of study if you feel like that's your thing. Um, but for me, I feel like it's giving me more ability. You know, it's giving me more ability to actually, um, you know, help people that I couldn't do before. And, um, you know, my only other tool would have been to walk up and actually go, hey, cut it out. And that's never going to end well. You know, it's never going to end well because they're already overboard. You know, they're already into overwhelm. So, um, you know, I definitely do that. Um, bubbles, mirrors, walls, armor. I put armor on uh, and call in Archangel Michael because um, he's a great protector. So yeah. um, he's like my real, you know, security guard. And whenever I'm working with children, I generally call him in, um, you know, because I do work with vulnerable kids and uh, kids in different sort of situations who are getting bullied at school and picked on and, you know, having nightmares or whatever. Um, and that gives you some protection and some power because the thing is when you've got that little kid, like you had there, the young one, uh, where, you know, his drink bottles being held over the rubbish bin, he's not going to react. I mean, what's he going to do? You know, he can't beat up this kid, you know, there's nothing he can really do. So if they know they've got a great big, you know, security guard, essentially Archangel Michael that they can call, who's huge. He's got his big sword. Um, you know, and it just may give them a little bit more you know, feeling of protection, I guess, um, yeah. how to deal with that situation. A bit more, so, a bit more confidence there. Yeah. 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 And and I do that too, Michelle, when um, I'm out in the shops and I see something like that, I will actually ask for a guardian angel to protect the child and, you know, protect and guide the child and the parent as well because right send, send healing to the parent as well because they obviously are struggling. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's compassion, isn't it? It's it's going to that place of compassion, um, because obviously all of us immediately triggered and we're angry. Stop doing that to that to the kid. Stop doing that to the kid. But we know that's never going to work. So we go to compassion, and what you just said is what that is. Um, you know, looking at the parent. Obviously, you know, you just need a hug. You just need a break. 
You just need, you know, someone to take over for a day, you know, and do something nice for you, you know, do your washing or something like obviously they're at breaking point. And so we have to have that compassion because I don't imagine anyone, you know, would deliberately go out there to do that, you know, to do that in public, you know? Um, so hopefully by us walking around, you know, doing what Becca and I are doing, offering the healing, calling in the angels, um, you know, that family might be able to improve and, you know, go on and, you know, um, behave a little bit differently. You know, that's, that's kind of my hope without us having to run up there and, um, start shouting and waving our hands in the air. Yeah, that's um, right. And I mean, I think before I start sh shouting and, and waving my hands at the air at, at any parent in that situation, um, being a parent myself and being in situations myself, yeah. um, I would probably ask first is, you know, are you okay? Is there anything I can help you with? Yeah. Yeah. What can I do for you? What yeah. can I do for you? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great point. Really great point. Um, I remember one day, uh, just really quickly, I was, <laughs> I was, I think uh, my son was maybe three years old and very interested in walking off all the time, didn't like standing in lines. I didn't like standing in lines either, but um, kept walking to. off. <laughs> I know, you have to. Um, kept walking off and I was there this one day and I was in the line, like, please come back to mum, come and stand next to mum, we won't be long. Um, stay where I can see you, this sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, the queue and you lose the spot. Yeah, well, that's right, you do. Um, and then if, you know, you leave your little trolley or your basket, there's some trips over it, you, you get um, sued. Yeah. <laughs> because they've injured themselves. <laughs> Even worse. Um, but I remember this person, they didn't actually ask permission or anything like this, but this lady, she was really quiet. I, I would have been terrified just quietly, but went up and grabbed his arm and said, oh, you look like you're alone. Come with me and started what? dragging him. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're standing there talking to him. But looked at me and sort of winked as well, but just oh. sort of just to give him her fright. But, you know, you look kind of think, um, come with me. Now, that was actually really quite triggering for me. And I left the line. I grabbed hold of him. I brought him back and I went, see, stay with me. And I was actually triggered by that because I was um, mm, I was 16 when my brother, so I'm the eldest of seven. My brother is 16 years difference between us. I was 16. And he was about three years old. So I was in, you know, close to early 20s. Um, and I had caught the bus, I had driven him in to my mum's work to say hello, pick up something from her, some cash or something like that from her. She needed me to do something for her she didn't get to do on her lunch break. So I had gone in, we'd gone in, said hello to mum, walked out of this, it was uh, like a health centre where she worked. So there was lots of different aspects to this building and we walked outside, she was on the reception there and this older gentleman in a um, scooter, like on a mobility scooter. As I walked out with him, I was leading. He was holding my hand, so struggling a little bit behind me. I'm like, come this way. And I saw this scooter, so we sort of moved. I moved to the side. He came out. This guy actually reached over and grabbed hold of my brother and tried to pull him onto his I don't know where he thought he was. He obviously thought like, he could outrun me. On the, the true, like, oh, my gosh. And I was standing there and I've grabbed hold of my, pushed this guy, <laughs> grabbed hold of my baby brother, who was like three years old at the time. It was 
absolutely and i'm just standing there i'm just absolutely gobsmacked like i'm standing there the way you're looking at me now michelle my mum has come running out because there were glass doors and she was at reception she's come running out and other people have come running out with her and she's just come out and they've gone to this guy mum's come to us and she's like what happened i don't know you know i'm in tears like absolutely i was just beside myself and of course my brother was just like what's going on because he was three years old um um, but I I was absolutely shaken and terrified by that because this guy meant to take him, meant to take him, had grabbed hold well, of him. He was him like an old dude on a scooter. He was on like one of those mobility scooters. So obviously there was some sort of mental health issue yeah, or something going on there. But workers came out. They ended up taking this guy into the building. Um, so I don't know if maybe one of his workers was advised of what happened. Um, I never heard from the police. Mum never spoke to the police about it, but they had taken him back inside this building to. So he'd been watching, came past, tried to grab him. I mean, and then they took him back into this community health centre and they had, you know, obviously had words with him and had a chat to him and what have you. So maybe there was some sort of um, mental illness. That oh, there had to be. Because behind. I mean, you were with your brother. It wasn't like the kid was walking on his own. Like you're holding hands. I was holding his hand and he yeah. still tried to grab him. It was terrifying. And I was so upset. I was so shaken. I was so upset. So when this woman did this to me with my son, I was just like, yeah, no. They brought it all up. <laughs> brought it all up. Brought it all up. Mm. So, you know, you don't know by mm. interfering in somebody else's business. Mm. What's happened before. You may think you're helping, but you don't know if you are or not. Yeah. It's just a big takeaway from that. Yeah, good point, But I think everyone's uh, willing to give, give out free advice, but I think we come from that compassionate angle more so, you know. Absolutely. So yeah. we're all just as confused as when we started this episode. Do we help yeah. or do we not? Do we not? <laughs> <laughs> um, next episode, though, we won't, we'll be less confused in the next episode, Bet, because you've been reading the uh, Vortex by uh, yeah. Esther Hicks and uh, Jerry Hicks. And so we're going to actually do an episode on the Vortex. And so um, the Vortex may not mean much to you if you're listening to this and you haven't sort of, you're not familiar with Esther and Jerry Hicks. But, I mean, we haven't done an episode on Abraham before and we absolutely love um, Abraham, the teachings of Abraham. I was actually just talking about that in a shardy back because um, all the ladies there are familiar with Esther. But when you hear Esther um, speak, and if you are listening to this, then you're welcome to go ahead and, um, you know, have a look on YouTube and, Look them up or get the book if you feel to, um, because it is life changing and it's just truth. I mean, everything that comes out of that woman's mouth and it is channeled information uh, is just truth, you know. And I can't argue with it. I agree with it. I feel like I already knew it, you know. Every time she says something, I go, "Oh, I knew that. I knew that. I knew that." But it's not sort of like in your conscious mind at that point. So, and I love the meditations they do. So. This is going to be a fantastic episode, really spiritual, really woo-woo, but also really, I think, um, applicable to life. You know, I think a lot of the stuff that, you know, she talks about is very applicable to every day, you know, everything we do. And we're constantly using, um, you know, uh, phrases that Esther uses and things like that. Uh, Beck and I, we're often using them. Mm. So um, the vortex is basically, I guess, your happy place, your alignment, um you know that's that's how i see it but we'll talk more about that uh in the next episode it's been great babe it has been wonderful thank you michelle thank you my love
And uh, as I said, livingenlightened33 at gmail.com if you want to get in touch uh, or Living Enlightened on Facebook. Uh, you can reach out to Becca and I anytime. Thanks, Beck. I'll see you in a fortnight. Take care, my darling. Take care, everyone. <laughs>